Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. Hello and welcome to the Naked Parent Podcast. We have Olivia Hockey with us. She's the mom of two boys. Her eldest is Jude, who has ASD. He's nonverbal, but he is progressing very well. I talked to her a little bit before the show. I'm excited for you to hear their story. She's a sports therapist, has been working in the health and fitness industry for 20 years. Welcome to the show, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. This is super important, and there's tons of listeners that want to know other people's stories because there's just not enough data out there, and so sharing your experience is super important. So can you tell us a little bit about your family makeup, what it looks like, and your child with ASD? Yeah, so it's me, my husband, and my two boys. My eldest son, Jude, is eight and he has ASD and I have a younger boy who is five. His name is Hudson. Jude was born full term, um, healthy, eight pounds, seven, born in the water. Everything was perfect, lovely. When did you Um, notice something was going different than you planned? So Jude was progressing completely normally. He sat early, walked early, was babbling, saying words at six months old and was generally coming on leaps and bounds and doing really well at about age one maybe a little bit earlier than that he I stopped breastfeeding him and I put him just purely onto um, like cow's milk and formula he just started to pick up things like tonsillitis um and I thought okay well it's just one of those things so he had tonsillitis and he was given um, antibiotics And then the next month he had tonsillitis again, so they gave him more antibiotics. And then the month after that, the same thing. So for three months running, he had antibiotics. About six weeks later, I thought, oh, his immune system's really quite low. Like if he gets meningitis or something like that or mumps or rubella or anything like that, he's going to be really, really sick. And it really worried me. He was late for his MMR, so I took him for his MMR, which he had. And he was a bit groggy for, like, a few weeks. But after, I'd say around the 10 to 14-day mark, he came up in this nasty rash. I took him to the doctors, and he had a temperature, and all his glands were swollen. And they said to me, oh, um, yeah, I think he's having a reaction to the rubella part of the MMR. And there were four doctors in this room, in the room at this point. So now I'm worried because I'm like, oh, why are all these doctors in here? Why are they all looking at this rash? Like, they must be thinking that something's up. This isn't like a routine rash for four doctors to come into the room. Yeah, slowly, slowly. And I'm not saying it was just one thing. It could have been a mixture of so many different things. But the combination of the antibiotics wiping out his gut microbiome his body being in an inflammatory state and then having three live viruses, 
didn't benefit him in any way, shape or form. And he's just slowly started to sort of not respond to his name, to lose eye contact. And he just kind of went off into a world of his own. Before age two, he had no sensory issues. And then at around age two, he started flapping quite a lot. And it was a bit of a shock because I just thought, like, what's going on? You know, and I'd have the health visitor around and I'd say, oh, you know, I'm a bit concerned. I've seen a change in Jude. And she'd say, oh, he's all right. He's just like a tiny bit behind his speech because he was still kind of talking at this point. But his immune system was just so bad. He just kept getting ill, like urine infections and strep throat and sickness bugs and all that kind of stuff. And um, so by age three, he'd lost, I'd say, 90% of his words. Yeah. So How are you feeling through this? I mean, this is not what you were planning. I mean, I think initially I was in denial. I just thought this can't be happening. Like, I was not expecting this. I don't really know what I'm dealing with. And I didn't really think, oh, this could be autism. At first I thought this must be a speech delay. Like, especially before he started, like, flapping and stuff, I just thought, no, he doesn't do any, he hasn't got any sensory needs. Like, he's fine. He's just, you know, maybe he's just more physical. He was so physical. He's, like, climbing everything. So... I just thought, oh, maybe he's just a really physical kid and he's just not really that bothered about speaking. But, yeah, when he started nursery at age three, they kind of sat me down and they were like, right, we're referring him to the paediatrician. And, honestly, that was probably one of the worst days of my life because it was one of those times when you think, I can't run from this anymore. I can't deny that there's something going on and I have to face this now. And, um, yeah, so from age three, he was referred to the paediatrician and for speech therapy, which I was really glad to be referred for. I was glad I was getting the help, but also terrified of, I didn't know anything about autism. Like, everything I'd heard was so negative. There were no, like, positive stories or, like, happy ever after stories. It was all, like, sad and, like, oh, we feel sorry for you, that kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, I don't want that to be me. I don't. I don't want this fight. I don't want this life. I just want everything to be lovely. Yeah, it it was really tough. And he was diagnosed at three years, eight months old. The time he was diagnosed, Hudson was six months old. So I was going through all this walk pregnant, basically, as well. I remember that part of the journey. And my emotional intelligence wasn't where it is today. Like, I just was not prepared. I did not have what was necessary to handle things and I just I mean I got the chills just thinking about yeah walking through your part of that story it's just so intense is there a worst moment on the journey that stands out just to give the listeners sort of an idea of what you deal with I think Jude's always been a really happy and loving child so even though it's been hard he's always been like a really awesome little boy like there have been some behaviours and, you know, tantrums when we're out. But I think probably the hardest thing that I dealt with was the schooling. I think he started mainstream school when he was five. By this time, I had his EHCP. I don't know what it's like in America, but it's like his statement of need. So it was kind of paperwork that says, OK, this is what this child needs. Um, and the government funded. So you can turn up at a school and say, here's my child's EHCP and the school will get funding for that child to support them. 
and looked at about 30 schools. Those head teachers just like, no, he can't come here, he can't come here, you know, and, and just having that, like finding the resilience to deal with that, we don't want your child, your son's too much, we don't want him here. That was really like, I mean, I felt like totally beaten up by the system. Um, and then I found this one school and they were like, yeah, you know, the headmistress said, oh, I've got a child with special needs, he's severely dyslexic, but he's done really well in this school. We can support him. Like they'd read all his paperwork. So they knew, they knew what they were getting. Like there were no surprises. And the EHCP always reads kind of as bad as it can because you have to put everything that's like worst case scenario, worst day ever for that child so you know that they can be supported. So he started the school and immediately they were like, oh, we can't give him a regular one-to-one. He's got to work with loads of different people. Anyway, they said he could go in in the mornings and he went in every morning and after three weeks he started queuing up in the dinner queue to go for lunch with the other children. And I was like, oh, that's great. He's ready for lunch. Like he's ready to stay for lunch with the other kids. Brilliant. And I uh, said to the headmistress, oh, can he stay now? And she said, no, we've got um, we've got no one to support him. He can't stay for the rest of the day. He can only do mornings. And I was like, oh, okay. So basically you've taken all this extra funding from the government to support my child, but you're not actually going to support him. And now I have to deal with this. To cut a long story short, I managed to get him a assessment at probably the best specialist school within about 50 miles of us. It's a National Autistic Society school. It's a private school. It's quite small, but they have like full-time occupational therapy, full-time speech therapy. It's an excellent, excellent school. They hardly ever give out assessments. He got an assessment and then he got offered a place. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. He's going to go to the best school ever. Everything's fine. And I said to the school, will you support me to help me get Jude into this school? And they were like, no, you're on your own. Like, we're not going to give you the paperwork. We're not going to support you. Basically, we won't support you at all. You're on your own. And I think that was probably my lowest point because I thought we've been through all the diagnosis. We've been through all the stress of getting all the funding the EHCP, we've done all that. We've tried to find the perfect mainstream school. You've completely let us down. And now you're taking away his shot at going to the best school. So you're really not on Team Jude. You know, like you don't really care about my son. All you care about is keeping the council happy because our local council did not want to pay for his placement because it's so expensive. And they basically said, we'll see you in court. So I had to send in, I basically stated my case as if I was going to court. I sent them all my paperwork. I had to pay for a specialist teacher to come and assess you, to write reports for him. I had to write for pay for a um, private speech therapist to come and work with him and write reports to say why he should go to this school because he's worth the funding. You know, it was just, it was horrendous, but... Going through that really, really tough, crappy time kind of made us somehow like take our power back and create this like team Jude, this team of really supportive people who were like, yes, we've got you. Like we're on your side. We believe in you. We believe in Jude. Like he can do this. He deserves to be at that school. He's awesome. Like he's going to do really well there. And after months of fighting, 
they said, yeah, you can go there. The council said, yeah. And he got his placement and, yeah, he's been doing so well. And it's like, it's been such a game changer. Like, I didn't know if it could ever happen. And I'm just, like, it's probably one of the best things that has ever happened to us as a family. (laughs) Him going to school, like, literally in that moment, I was just like, oh. I got the chills again. So I got the chills on both ends of the spectrum, no pun intended. Congratulations. Thanks. I'm happy for you (laughs) and your son and your family. Thank you. That's so cool. And it's so hard. And I often say I can't, but we can, because it's really like a, it's, we have to do this together. We have to get our micro support groups. Yes. Our micro networks of support. And then we can, the show's created to make a bigger, you know, a network. And hopefully they all play a positive part because on my own with my kids and a feeling of hopelessness, life doesn't seem, you know, worth living or it doesn't seem, yeah. it doesn't seem possible. And I'm happy for you. That's a great, um, thank you. A great part of the story. So, how does your husband handle the diagnosis, the, you know, that things are going to be different than he planned? Um, how do you two do in working together? I mean, I think initially it was, he just kind of like, it was a really difficult time because Jude was diagnosed with autism and six weeks later his dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. So it was like, boom. Um, It was just a shock. I think we were just in shock for quite a long time and we didn't really process. But he really started getting into nutrition. I think it was like there's so much going on in our life that we cannot control. Everything feels out of control. You know, like our life's changed forever. Boom, you've got an autism diagnosis. And, you know, his dad had um, terminal cancer. He's passed away now. And I think he just went like, like, what can I do for my family? So he worked really hard so that we had a bit of money to pay for speech therapy and stuff like that. So we're not an affluent family. This is, you know, it's like putting money away to pay for stuff. Yeah. And then he just went right into the nutrition. He was like, right, what can I control? Okay, well, I can control what I put in my body and what my kids can put in their body. And can this help my child? So that's kind of where he went with that. And I think as a couple, we 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 kind of handled it separately. And probably like a lot of couples, you kind of think, oh, like I don't want to, I feel really shit today, but I don't want to tell you that I'm feeling really shit because I don't want to make you feel really shit. Yeah. So I'll just swallow that. It went on for quite a long time with both of us. And I would honestly say it's probably only since Jude has been in the school that he's at now and in an environment where he's thriving, that we've actually been able to sort of process everything properly and talk together because I think we've gone through the cycle of grief quite a long time, for quite a lot of times. And now we're both like, okay, we can kind of smile and be happy again, you know? Um, I've had therapy, which really helped. So, and I just think we communicate a lot better now, but it was definitely really hard really hard in the beginning yeah so i don't know if it'll sound weird but the two groups that are my favorite people on the planet are parents raising special needs kids and Mm -hmm. recovering addicts yeah 
Yeah. Because both of them usually have hit a pretty hard bottom mm. and it was turn around and go the other way or carry on with addiction or yeah. start an addiction and die, right? And so the people that try to rise from the ashes, so to yeah. speak, are so inspiring to me. Mm. And in a lot of ways, I feel like, you know, in a lot of ways, I feel like we're survivors. Yeah, um, 100%. I, yeah. And I'm so grateful for where I am and for the listeners out there that are in the early part of their journey. My heart is mm. full for them. You yeah. know, it's a heck of a journey. And I commend you because it sounds like you love your child. You're taking it head on and you're doing whatever's necessary to make it happen. So how old is Jude now? He's eight. He's eight. So what's something you're excited about at this stage? Is he working on anything that's exciting? What's something that you're looking forward to today and moving forward? He uses a communication app called Proloco to go, which is on the iPad. And it basically helps him to communicate and to build sentences. So now he can say to me, like, I want to go in the garden or I want to go to Nelly's house or I want an ice cream. So he started off with the PECS, the picture exchange communication system. And uh, now he's been moved on to this because his language has, like his understanding of language has kind of exploded in the last six months. So he's gone on to this so we can add more. It's just easier to add more and, uh, and he can build his sentences quicker. And he's trying to say more words, like he's really looking at, my, looking at our eyes and looking at our mouth and like, you know. So yeah, he really struggles, like he wants to talk but he cannot make his mouth do it. Like something's going on at the moment, but he's really trying. And like eye contact's not an issue anymore. It's just like so many little things lately that he wasn't doing. He's doing now. And like we went to the park the other day and he was on a swing and, you know, like you swing your legs out and then you, then you bring them back to swing. Yeah, yeah. Well, he'd never been able to do that before. And he did it on Saturday at the park. And I was like, oh. who is like Christopher Robin? Uh, <laughs> and I just cried. Uh, so like I like I just get so much joy from all the little things. Yes. I just feel really grateful. Yes. I think um for me, acceptance has been the key and to not compare and yes. just, you know, be grateful for my journey, be grateful for my children. Mm-hmm. Then those moments are so special yeah um you know if i'm trying to get him to have a girlfriend or be a dad someday or something then i'm i'm miserable because i'm not sure if that's going to happen but being present for me meditations helped a lot because i was just wound up so how about for you what do you do to keep yourself in wellness yeah, I still have um, talking therapy, so I still have therapy. Not all the time anymore because I, I did have it sort of quite intensely, but now I just um, have it when I feel I need it. Um, but that's really good to still have that there. And I go to the gym. I work in sports massage, so I'm around a lot of kind of quite chill people quite a lot, which is which does actually really help because um, I'm around a lot of kind of happy people with good energy and I tend to try and keep my circle like that. I have quite strict boundaries on what I consume and like 
as in like what I watch, who I spend my time with, what I eat, that kind of stuff. So everything that's in my life, I try and make it positive and right for me and right for the kids. And if people haven't got the right kind of energy or if if I feel like people are judgy towards my kids, then it's just like you're not welcome. And I just I would have felt bad about that before, but now it's it's like um yeah bye that's great that's great i think um i don't know when it happened for me but these looking at those individual things you know what you listen to what you watch um Mm -hmm. when i wasn't looking at those things Mm -hmm. it was just like however i can survive through the day you know whatever i can watch to check out to survive through the day and then now that i try to be conscious of little things here and there. And then I go back and watch something that's kind of rowdy. And I'm like, ah, that's, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not even comfortable watching certain things or it yeah. makes, you know, makes my, and I'm like, where did that come from? You know, I'm this tattooed guy from Detroit. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to be sensitive about PG 13 movies, you know, but, uh, yeah. but I am. So I think that's great. And I think it's been important for me to, to take those little baby steps in lots of areas. It makes me calmer. Um, mm just a better person. So that's great to hear. Yeah. I think so tell me out- a little bit about, so your, your backgrounds in nutrition, do you take that interest of yours and look at what, how nutrition affects your son or yeah. make that cross or what? Yeah, hugely. And, um, initially it was something that obviously I, I know about nutrition um from just my background and I've got an idea of you know what you should eat stay healthy and that kind of stuff and when Jude was diagnosed we read a lot of uh, about nutrition and as I said like my husband really you know did a lot of research and uh, there were so many parents like oh it makes a difference it, you know there, there is something that you can do I spoke to the pediatrician about it uh, where Jude was about four and she basically said, you know, it doesn't really make much difference. There's no, there's no evidence. Okay. So, okay. So I'm thinking, well, he's a really fussy eater. This is going to be a right pain to try and change his diet. Like what a fight. Maybe that's not a fight we need to have right now. We've got so much going on. Like let's just carry on with let, like, let him eat what he wants to eat. Anyway, um, about six months later in the middle of the night, I was on Google and I was reading about something called the Nemechek Protocol for Autism and Developmental Disorders. It was basically, it was it's very natural and there was no, there were no drugs involved or anything like that or anything weird really. It was just um, adding like extra virgin olive oil, um, omega three fish oil, inulin, um, which is a natural prebiotic found in chicory roots and getting rid of any sort of vegetable oils, which basically meant cutting out a lot of processed foods. So it was a lot of um, cooking from scratch. So we did that. Within a week, our non-sleeper started sleeping through the night, which was, you know, I think for any parent, especially a parent with of a child with ASD who hasn't slept for five years, this was like, holy shit, this, like, there there actually might be something in this, you know, this might have an effect, this might be the way forward, this is something we can do. So we carried on with that. And then when he started his new school, one of the teachers said to me, uh, you know, this uh, gluten and dairy free thing? And I said, yeah, she went, it is a thing. Look at it. 
And I was like, really? She said, yeah, yeah. So, um, so instead of just cutting out gluten and dairy, because I was still a bit like, I don't want to do all this stuff if it's not going to benefit him. We enrolled a functional nutritionist and we did a GI map. So we got a stool sample. We tested his gut. First thing that came back, dairy and gluten intolerant. He cannot have that. It's bad for his immune system. Oh, my gosh. It's messing up his sensory processing. Cut it. Okay. So we cut that. Then we find that he has still he still has the live strep virus in his gut, which strep virus can cause something called pandas, which is a neurological condition. So he's still got this live in his body. So his body's still trying to fight this off. Um, and I think he had that about two years previously. So this has been in his body a long time. Wow. Um, so we detoxed that out of his gut, and we we redid the GI test to make sure that the strep virus was out of his gut. We then did a heavy metals test. Heavy metals came back. He had 10 times the amount of lead that he should have in his body. Wow. So then we detox that out and we carry on giving him um, supplements specifically for him. So this isn't just, we don't just go and think, oh, magnesium's good or um, vitamin D's good. Or, you know, this is specific stuff for him and we monitor it so we know if it's working or not. And yeah, we're going to do another test in about two weeks which is a really thorough blood test that tests for Lyme's and co-infections Lyme's disease apparently about 90% of children with autism have Lyme's disease oh wow I don't know if he has it or not I don't know if this is going to be relevant for him but we're kind of 90% of the way through the testing so um, we thought well we might as well do this really comprehensive test and just find out this is like the lot. This is as far as we can go with this current nutritionist. So that's what we're going to do next. That's awesome. Yeah. For the for the parents in Naked Parent Nation, what who do you look for when you want to get your kid tested? Uh, what what's that type I mean, of person or doctor um, or office call? I don't know what it's like in America, but um, function a functional nutritionist over here can do it for you. I mean it's the the. Oh, they, they must be functional nutritionists over there. Um, it's basically people that use natural remedies to help prevent and cure and make better illnesses. So this isn't like saying that it's going to cure autism, but it's definitely going to help his body function as best as it possibly can yes. um, to give him the best results. And, and we've seen it. And even the teachers have mentioned it to me at school. They're like, Wow. Um, awesome. he's doing amazing there is a guy actually that um that we want to work with next who is in america and his name is jared scourod and he is a pediatrician and functional nutritionist um in the u.s and he goes one step further he does all the gene the genetic testing and then the blood test and the GI test and everything. So it goes one step further. He can tell you um, what genes have been switched on, what they've kind of, if they were born with certain genes or if certain genes have been switched on during over time. Some things can be reversed. So it's, you know, if, and I think, I think in America your health insurance covers it, but it doesn't cover it in the UK. So that's something that we'll have to explore a bit further but um, yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to pursue that because we don't we don't have like the genetic slash nutrition stuff over here. It's not a thing. It's exciting. So, 
Yeah. It's exciting. I mean, it took me a long time, but I really like believe in all this stuff. And I don't mm. know why I'm so, my vision was so narrow, but I'm just loving it. And I don't know anything. I, this show is just a, it's a passion project for me. You know, there's no funding mm. or anything like that. Mm. And so I'm probably supposed to say that we don't diagnose or there's no medical advice or anything here yeah. because we're not qualified for that. Yeah. But the I'm one just thing saying what works for my son. Like that's all I can say. Yes. It would have been good for him. Which that's is the it. most important to us anyway, because the one thing I can say is that every parent that has pursued a better nutrition mm. uh, intake for their child believes it has positive effects mm. on their child. No, it doesn't like remove necessarily, yeah. but they feel that there's positive growth. And so that's enough evidence for me. Zero parents have said, oh, I tried this great nutrition program that was really healthy and it didn't do anything. I've never heard that. Mm. So, it's certainly not gonna harm your child. It's not yeah. gonna harm them. Yeah. So I'm excited, maybe we'll meet virtually at that guy's office someday, whoever this yes. Jared star is or whatever. Anyway, I really appreciate this conversation. I feel like I know your son a little bit because I know my son, I know how hard they work. They work so mm -hmm. hard and they don't get the credit for working hard, mm -hmm. at least my son sometimes because he's not interested in a lot of things, but he's mm -hmm. like the hardest working guy in my family, you know, and I got five kids, right? Yeah. He's the hardest working, but he doesn't look like it. So I'm so yeah. proud of your son. I'm proud of my son and I'm grateful for this conversation. Before we finish, just to get a few more answers from you, we do like a little lightning round, one word to one sentence answer, mm -hmm. if that's okay with you. Yeah. All right. And then we'll close with any thoughts you have or just a smile and a farewell <laughs> for now. So here's here we go. Ready? Yes. <laughs> okay. What's the best advice you have received? It's best to have something and not need it than need it and not have it as in support share a personal habit that contributes to your success being grateful every day love it do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents there's a great podcast um called by darren olean called fatal conveniences and they discuss a lot about toxins and how to reduce toxins in your house and in your body. Awesome. Thank mm. you. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? Well, for my individual travel. Nice. <laughs> Holidays. Like yeah. Something that we talked about today or just something on your heart, um, anything you want to share with the listeners of the show, words of wisdom, food for thought or encouragement? I'd, I would just say to anyone that's really going through it at the moment that there is hope, that there is light at the end of the tunnel and that, like, I used to look at parents who were further down the line than I was and i think, how are they all right? Like, I feel like I'm dying inside. But if you work through it and if you take your power back and if you control what you can control in your life and add happiness to your life as much as you can and learn to enjoy your child again and know that it's okay to enjoy your child and it's not all going to be sad and hard all the time that you will feel a lot better and things will get easier 
I appreciate that. I uh, got the chills twice and I got misty eyed twice. That makes this a good show. I appreciate the inspiration that you um, gave to me today and I wish you the best. And I'd like to connect down the road and hear um, how things are progressing for you and your family. Thank you ever so much. Okay. Thanks. Well for now. Bye. Bye. This concludes our show for today, and I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, And the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.